Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Hello, this is Betty Lynn Fisher. I'm consumer columnist and medical reporter with the Akron Beacon Journal and the USA Today Network. And today um, I'm joined for um, my Healthy Actions column, which is a column that takes a look at different um, medical topics each month. Um, for, I'm joined today with Dr. Deborah Plate, Clinical Associate Director at the Center for Family Medicine at Cleveland Clinic, Akron General, Chair of the Department of Family Medicine at Akron General. But more importantly, Dr. Plate is a um, practicing family, longtime family medicine physician um, on the main campus. Thanks so much for joining me today, Dr. Plate. Good morning. So today we're talking about fatigue, which I think is a great topic because <laughs> we, we're all tired. But I, I, you know, people talk a lot um, about saying that they're tired for various reasons. Can you talk to me about the difference between being tired from a particular event or activity versus longer term? And when should someone be concerned enough to seek medical advice? Yeah, absolutely. This is such a, a broad topic that I think it's great that we're talking about it because it really can be extremely significant for a lot of folks. And sometimes it's someone in the family, uh, a partner, a family that says, wow, you look tired or you seem tired uh, before we even really uh, appreciate that. So. You know, short term, it's something that we may have been through something uh, in an evening, the next day we're tired or for a week, you know, uh, we're tired and then it tends to um, dissipate. Um, and so that tends to be short lived. And what does that feel like? That can be exhaustion. You know, if we're celebrating or we've had an event go on that's been emotional, that tends to have perhaps a start and beginning or a beginning and an end. Uh, but typically what we tend to see is the long term fatigue. And sometimes, as I say, we don't even see it ourselves. And it's someone saying, wow, you know, you're doing OK, you feeling OK. Uh, or we find that we're really losing interest. We're dragging. It's hard to focus. Um, that's really how this can look. We're falling asleep. I had a patient, Betty, that was falling asleep at her computer and she'd wake up and see the letters all the way across her, her screen and say, why am I you know, falling asleep like this? So um, it really can take on a number of different presentations. And that's why, as we teach residents and medical students, this is a broad topic and you've got to think about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one theme that I've noticed as I've been talking to various specialists, you know, for these topics is um, that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if if that particular um, topic starts to affect your daily life, Right. Uh, you can't get out of bed or you can't um, you can't function at work or you can't function that that seems to be kind of the trigger um, to maybe seek some more professional advice. Yeah, it can, and it can be that significant. Certainly, a lot of times we find it's really sometimes not as uh, obvious um, as that. And so, folks, it just kind of, kind of lingers and then it tends to get worse and worse and worse to where sometimes they're there because someone else has, says, has said something. But I do have folks who say, wow. You know, I'm missing work. One of my questions is, how often do you miss work? How often are you napping? 
Um, and how long are those naps? And so really trying to get the right questions to the patient is so important uh, to really get a feel for uh, this fatigue. As you say, most of us are fatigued um, with all that's gone on, particularly in the last two, two and a half years. Um, and so I think it's really important that there are some very significant things that could be going on if we do the right, if we get the right history and we do the right testing. So I think that's what we want to touch upon today. Um, Certainly. Yeah, so I was going to say, let's talk about some of the medical reasons you can be fatigued. And one of the questions, as you were talking about it, and you just mentioned is like, so it could be it could be long haul COVID. It could be, um, you know, and it could be things that that were not, you know, that two years ago, you know, we didn't hear the word COVID. So talk to me about some of the, you know, the top potential um, uh, uh, reasons. Yes, uh, there is a huge differential diagnosis, meaning there's a huge list. And, um, you know, at the top of that list, some of the first things that I do is I look at the medication list. There are many meds out there that can cause fatigue. Um, and so that's really important to have an accurate, if you're going in to see a care provider, know your medications, really important. Sometimes I'll ask what's new. Uh, how are you taking it? Are you taking it? Um, some of the other top things are low thyroid. Is your thyroid underactive? Which means the machine, uh, the body machine is going slower than it should. Uh, that's very, very significant. And we see that frequently. Um, sugar. Uh, sometimes folks are diabetic and they don't even know it. So that can certainly be the case. Anemia, low blood, uh, certainly can creep up on us, sometimes even due to cancer. So cancer can be extremely fatiguing. Is it something that hasn't been caught that's been there? Really important for us to be asking a lot of questions with regards to that. Um, some of the other things, uh, Betty, that I look for certainly are heart rhythm. Uh, I have a lot of folks who come in and say, I am exhausted. And they can tell you even when that occurred, because once they go into this rhythm, uh, this AFib rhythm, which is uh, having to do with the upper portion of the heart, we can be very fatigued. And there's some symptoms that can go along with that. Depression can do this as well. High blood pressure can do this. Um, and uh, certainly some of our bad habits can contribute to this alcohol, marijuana, uh, all important things that we need to be asking about, vitamin deficiencies. I ask about diet, uh, folks that are perhaps dieting or not hungry and not taking in the calories. Oftentimes we'll see extreme uh, fatigue uh, as well. Uh, and then sleep apnea, big question on my list uh, with regards to family members who use a mask uh, at night if this patient has not been diagnosed, uh, perhaps a weight gain, where those are folks that tend to be at high risk. I have many thin patients who have sleep apnea, uh, so it's not always about weight, but uh, family history can be extremely significant. So you can see there are lots of things to be thinking about. So it's really like detective work because you know there's so many different answers. So should some where should someone start? Should they start with their with their primary care physician? Yeah, great question. I think their their medical home or primary care doc is really the great place to start. Uh, our patients would say, hey, who knows us best? Our family doc or our primary care physician, our internist, uh, our pediatrician. Um, really important. That's where I would start. And then we help break down that fatigue that they sense. Uh, we also have their past medical history. Uh, to go to an urgent care or to go to somewhere that does not know them well for something like this, it's best to really see something, someone who knows you best. And that's why I advocate for a medical home, making sure that you have a home base where your information really is together and someone who knows uh, all aspects of you. 
So let's say, you know, you're one of those people who has has avoided the doctor. So you don't have a medical home, but this is maybe a good time to go find that medical home, go find that doctor um, who can spend some time with you. That's why you were saying kind of this isn't the thing to go to the urgent or urgent care or ER about. Right, right. And so most uh, hospitals have a physician finder line where you can call and say, hey, who, who is accepting patients? Um, I need a doc. And luckily in our practice at the Center for Family Medicine, right down on Akron General's uh, uh, home base main campus there, uh, we have, um, we're certainly open to new patients. Uh, some practices aren't, and that can be extremely frustrating for uh, patients. Um, but in making some phone calls, checking in with your hospital who has most likely this physician line uh, can be very helpful to find a primary care internist, family doc, uh, pediatrician. Okay. And I did hear that you are not accepting new patients. Your your patient load is pretty high, but I'm sure you've got great colleagues that are accepting patients. Right. I've got like 25 to 30 physicians who work with me. Um, and so I have a lot of my patients who sometimes will see some of the others and it works out great. Sure. Sure. So when somebody comes in, um, what kind of tests should they expect? Excellent. Um, first of all, an extensive history. Be thinking about your family history. If there's heavy depression, if there's cancer, if there's uh, anemia, those are things we need to know about. And so really keep in mind and updating your family history is really important. Bring your meds, very important. You can expect that uh, you're going to get a very detailed history, and then you can expect most likely some blood work. Um, and uh, certainly that blood work typically may be fasting, may not be fasting, but we're going to check a blood count. We're going to check your thyroid. Um, we're going to check your sugar. We're going to check your blood pressure, You know your vital signs, very, very important. High blood pressure undetected for a long time can make us feel exhausted. Um, sometimes, Betty, we will do a blood count and we're not looking at anemia, but we're looking at high blood count. And that can represent something like uh, sleep apnea because the body is struggling for oxygen during the night. So high blood count and low blood count can be very significant. So blood work would be the first step. Um, you know, would you also like people to to kind of, for lack of a better term, journal or write down like, you know, if you see any patterns to when you're tired or, you know, if like it sounds to me again, like any information that I can give you as my physician would be helpful. Sure. Absolutely. I think journaling is always great. Keeping a, a journal and let us know, does this fluctuate? You know, one of the things that we think about, there was a study out in one of my areas of interest is women in heart disease. And these women who had heart attacks, they went back one month to see what occurred prior to the heart attack. They all had one thing in common, uh, extreme fatigue, different than their baseline. OK, so that timing, as you mentioned, very critical. Wow. I've been extremely exhausted over the last uh, month. You may get an EKG at that visit in addition to uh, your blood work and an EKG, of course, being a heart tracing that we can do in the office. The other thing I want to mention is depression. Depression is huge for fatigue. And so oftentimes we'll do an extensive mental health screen uh, in addition to our blood work looking for medical things, but oftentimes it may be a mental health uh, concern that it is causing that fatigue, can't focus, can't get out of bed, family history. Really important to be thinking, wow, could this be uh, a matter of mood? And certainly, as you can imagine, over the last two years, we have a heightened um, influx of patients coming in uh, with concerns about uh, depression. Sure. Um, could fatigue be a symptom of any uh potential cancer diagnoses? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so that's scary for a lot of folks. 
Uh, but I think it's important to think along those lines. Uh, it's in our differential. When we make that list in our minds as we're asking you these questions, we are thinking, gee, is there something here more that we need to, to know about? Oftentimes, I'm asking them about their screenings, their mammograms, uh, their, their pap smears if they are of appropriate age group, their colon screenings, really important. You know, through COVID, we really lost folks to the health screenings. And so we're now catching up and finding some pretty advanced disease because they were scared to death to certainly come anywhere near um, any of the facilities that they felt were higher risk. So uh, knowing where they are in their health screenings, very important. Even skin screens, Betty. I mean, we're looking for melanoma. I have several patients recently who have been diagnosed with melanoma, which is the more dangerous uh, skin cancer that we must follow very closely. And so cancer can be very quiet, very subtle, but fatigue can be um, certainly something that can help define it. Okay, let's go back to COVID. So, you know, again, some people have, you know, everybody's got different symptoms of COVID. Some people have these long haul symptoms, some people don't. Um, I know that that uh, Cleveland Clinic has a has a long haul clinic. Um, right. Tell me a little bit about, you know, I'm not sure that I don't even know if everybody can get into that or who goes to that. You know, when somebody comes to you and says, you know, I've had COVID, I'm just still so tired. Um, I'm assuming that you do all that blood work to make sure it's not all those things. Um, right. But the, you know, what's the, is there a potential answer to that? Yeah, and of course, COVID has been such a nebulous thing for us to, you know, the longer we go, the more we learn. Uh, and you are correct in that Cleveland Clinic actually set up a long hauler uh, clinic that I have referred patients to. You know, if somebody is four to six months out and we are still struggling uh, with the fatigue and function and unable to easily return to their baseline, um, then that is a perfect candidate. Uh, and, and we've done our due diligence to make sure that there's no anemia, sugar, thyroid, all the things that we talked about, then it's very appropriate to do so. These folks are exhausted. They're exhausted with any form of exertion. Um, they really struggle to cope day to day, and they tell you they were absolutely fine before their COVID infection. And so once again, a good history. Um, and as a patient, you really need to advocate for yourself with your primary care provider to make sure they get the accurate information. So that timing is really important to have those uh, conversations. And that um, journal could be very, very helpful to see, is this fluctuating? Are we good one week and not the next? Um, you know, what is the pattern of what we're seeing? But that clinic has been extremely helpful in uh, helping some of these patients cope with uh, this long haul syndrome. Sure. So, excuse me, depending on the cause of the fatigue, you know, what are the range of treatments that someone can expect? Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that we mentioned was that we might uh, order a sleep study. And so a sleep study, we're doing a lot of home sleep studies now, Betty, um, in that folks would be tested at home, the equipment comes to them. Um, and if that is positive or showing some signs that there may be a concern, they then would go into the sleep lab to be tested further for more accuracy and for actual settings where they might get equipment to help with this. And most patients say after one or two nights of that equipment, they, oh my God, I can't believe how good I feel because of this. Um, yeah. Anemia. My topic last month was actually sleep. And I, so I talked to a, a UH sleep, um, sleep lab doc. So we're good yeah. there. Yeah, it's, and it's amazing. It's so important to be asking those questions. Good sleep hygiene, as you indicate. Uh, anemia. We might be going on an iron pill. We might look at a transfusion. I have a lot of folks who donate blood. I love it. Um, it's important. Sometimes I have to slow that down a little bit because they're struggling with their iron stores, that kind of thing. So knowing those histories uh, are very important. Depression. We might find that we're working with a medication that helps with mood and fatigue. Thyroid. 
Synthroid is a great medication out there uh, that the body sometimes needs. Maybe altering the medications that they're on. Beta blockers are very important medications for heart disease. Fatigue is a common side effect. Sometimes we'll tweak that dose a little bit uh, and that can make a huge difference. Sugar, you know, I have a lot of folks that all of a sudden uh, we need a sugar medication or diabetic medication. And sometimes if they're on meds and the sugar's running really high, we you know, intervene with something different. Um, what else? Uh, you know, sometimes we're talking about habits, as I mentioned, and trying to get them to make some changes. One of the most common things, Betty, that we're also seeing in the wonderful state of Ohio, particularly during our winters that are gray and dark, uh, are vitamin D deficiencies. And uh, so if someone comes in with a low vitamin D from our blood work, putting them on that 50,000 once a week can really be enlightening. As we age, we struggle to absorb B12. And so I'm checking B12. A lot of us take stomach pills and those stomach pills fight for uh, absorption. And so B12 can go low, causing us to really feel fatigued. And so oftentimes if I find a low B12, the good news is we used to do injections. We still do, but we have found research says the oral pills for many folks can be as effective. And so uh, uh, lots of options. And sometimes we're saying, I want that protein shake on board every day for calories, which all of a sudden can make them feel good if we find that that calorie intake is not good. So lots of options if we get, um, you know, an answer to why they may be fatigued. Sure. And you were mentioning as you were talking about kind of, you know, come in with your list of medications, but you were just mentioning D3, D, B12. I'm assuming, you know, that people should also be telling their docs whether or not they're, you know, what, what vitamins they're getting at, at the local, you know, at, at the over-the-counter, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what are you taking every day or right. not every day? Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent uh, point um, in that a lot of patients, I teach med students this, how do you ask about meds? Oh, what meds are you on? No, that's not how you ask about meds. You ask about prescription meds and over-the-counter medications and supplements. Because oftentimes when we ask about meds, they'll say, no, this is all I take. And then you say, well, what about a laxative? Oh, yes, I've got that laxative. What about a weight loss med? Yep, I'm using an over-the-counter thing. Uh, Tylenol, Advil, Motrin, Aleve are huge issues for us because the anti-inflammatories, not Tylenol, but the Advil, Motrin, Aleve, and ibuprofen and aspirin can bore a hole right through your stomach. And so when you think about anemia, oftentimes it's that over-the-counter medicine that we're using for the joint pain or for the headache, things along those lines. So really important to know what's being used over-the-counter. Right. Um, in general, are there things that people can do to, you know, daily to prevent fatigue? Um, absolutely. I think uh, certainly uh, good calorie intake. We talk about color, Betty. Greens, oranges, yellows, reds, uh, the berries, the purples, the blues, the reds. So when you think about veggies and fruits, color makes a difference. It sounds silly, but it really does enhance how we feel day to day. Uh, meat. When I talk about meat, I'm thinking chicken, fish, turkey, you know, lean beef now and then one to two times a month, perhaps. We need those foods. <laughs> I see a lot of folks who are fatigued and anemic because of their dietary intake. Twinkies every day as a mainstay is not going to get us where we need to be. Um, but I would say that diet is really uh, uh, certainly important. Uh, sleep hygiene. Uh, really being cautious to make sure that we are consistent and trying to get that somewhere between that seven to eight hour range. Some folks will tell you that they need more or they can get away with less, but we find not always can we really uh, get away with less. So regular sleep hab habits, really important. Hydration. This time of year, 
critical. We see a lot of patients on a daily basis who are dehydrated. So we talk about that water or sports drink intake uh, on a daily basis to keep those electrolytes uh, in balance. So really very, very important, uh, all three of those things. Are you recommending 64 ounces of water a day? It's interesting. I, I like I tell my residents, you must give them an image when you say increase your water intake. And I often say water your kidneys and they get that if they're on a medicine that's hard on the kidneys. I'll say, please make sure you water your kidneys. Or if they love their juices and coffees, I'll say have a water chaser afterwards. And so I will tell you that for every age group, it's a little bit different. For my folks between perhaps 18 and 60, 65 to 70, 64 ounces a day is a good thing. So I tell them four water bottles a day, the 16.9 ounces, and they get that. And oh, Dr. Plate, I'm nowhere near that because what goes in must come out. It's very, um, I tried it recently. It's not easy. It is not easy. And I'm working on that myself as we speak right here next to me. Uh, it is not easy. And I share that with them. Uh, but having that awareness and not everybody can handle that. If you've got fluid overload with a heart that's struggling to handle the normal blood volume, what, some folks are restricted. And so we do need to be very, very cautious. But I will say to you that at least Three to four water bottles a day is typically what we are looking for, uh, unless you've got a medical condition where you are uh, watching your fluid intake. And can you cheat? Can you make it a lemonade? Can you make, you know, or is it, you really want just straight water? Oh, great question. A sports drink, okay. Not a sugar sports drink because, you know, the ones that are not uh, the twos or the zeros and they're straight through as a drink. Uh, have a lot of sugar in them. So they're actually dehydrating. Juices are dehydrating. Tea, as long as it's not sweet tea, um, the tea can act as a, a little bit of a form of, uh, of um, hydration. Coffee, uh, not so much, uh, but tea is a little bit easier to do so. So, but water is your best bet. Sports drink that is not high in sugar is a great choice as well. Um, but really this time of the year, uh, a huge effort. Folks can't believe how much better they feel, Betty, when they keep that fluid intake going. And then you mentioned that was till about age 65, 66. And then should that, yeah. should that amount go down? And that's when we really look at each individual carefully uh, because we're beginning to see some other diagnoses that we need to be cautious with. Some may stay in that range. Others, we may alter more or less depending on kidney function, heart function, things along those lines. Okay, great. So much great information today, Dr. Plate. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we do? You know, I just think um, it's important to have a patient prepare for that visit. Fatigue is a very broad topic. So be thinking about how you can help your care provider, um, you know, diagnose and, and help find uh, what's going on uh, and anticipate that there will be some testing um, and uh, bring your meds. Even though that med list that we have, Betty, is on that chart, I love to have the patients bring every single pill bottle they have because sometimes there's something there that we don't know about especially if they've been to an urgent care center or somewhere where we may not have that information. Bring your meds, bring a journal, and let's have a conversation. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Dr. Plate. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Mm -hmm.